Does everybody know what time it is? Time to let my love open the door to your heart. <laughs> That's or right. Or to your Studebaker. <laughs> it's grunt work. Wilson. We're so sorry if we caused you any pain. We're so sorry, Uncle Wilson, but I won't live in your home and your neighbor's wise but vain. Because maybe he listens to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that shows up to your surprise birthday party wearing a funny hat and a completely normal, ordinary set of clothes. I'm your host. I'm your host, Truman, the Studio Wake and Baker Man Caps, and with me as always is Landon, the Wind in the Willow Man Solano. (laughs) Uh, Now, Landon, like wild rides. You do like wild rides, and I have to say, I I actually I was really torn as to whether I was going to make you the Wind in the Willow Man or not, because I also wanted to have that in my back pocket as a potential title for an alternate reality in which this episode oh. involves a subplot about Tim eating too much Polish food because <laughs> that would give you am, the best of both worlds. Am I remembering that correctly? It is The Wind in the Willows that has Mr. Frog, right? M- Mr. Mr. Toad. Yeah, I'm I'm Mr. pretty Toad. sure it's Yeah, it's like it's like animals living in the countryside but then one of them gets a car and I remember being very fixated on that as a car obsessed child. Yeah. Wasn't that didn't it originally air as a like a double feature, they were both like forty-five minutes long with um, Sleepy Hollow or uh, Legend of Ichabod Crane. I feel like that sounds familiar to me, but I also feel like it's one of those things where my memories of that time period are so hazy that you could say anything, and I would say like, didn't that air as a as a double feature with Transformers and Mister Toad turns into a <laughs> robot and fights uh, Megatron? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> w- Willowbots assemble. Oh, Landon. Truman, oh, we Landon. are here to talk about home improvement. Um, I kind of, we, we, I feel like I want to give an intro to the show now, get a little into it, but I also don't want to waste too much time before sharing our secret word. Um, yeah, yeah. But it feels strange if someone is just tuning in now, it's just like, what, okay, they did an intro, now they're doing a, a weird game where are, <laughs> they have a secret word in the episode. So, well, um, I- you know what, Landon? I think it's better that we get immediately into the weird games and bizarre running gag bullshit of our show early on so that okay. new listeners don't waste several extra minutes thinking they might like this podcast before finding out that, no, it's a dumb podcast. Like, I think we should just just we should just w- whip it out immediately. Put it all should, on the tin. We, right. like, we need to be like Jennifer Coolidge on White Lotus, completely like having a crying jag meltdown in front of the guy who played Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, and then uh-huh. give him the opportunity to decide, do I want in on this hot mess or not? That's what I'm okay. going to say. <laughs> all right, all right. I yeah. like that approach. So uh, before we continue, I'm going to say this week's secret word. Uh, if Truman says this word at any point during this episode... Uh, our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod will win Chalupas or the Chalupa equivalent uh, prize. So, Truman, I am going to put you on mute. Or mm-hmm. Someone brought this up. I, I'm putting myself on mute so that you can't hear me. Um, apparently, there needed to be some clarification about that. Yes, and I will not hear this until I edit the episode several days later. For what that's <laughs> yeah, so- worth, if people were wondering. 
I am I'm hitting the mute button so that I go on mute and you can't hear me, and I'm going to do that right now, okay? Okay. Truman, can you hear me? Can you hear this with your ears? You can't because you're not responding. Okay, I am not cheating. Uh, you're going to have to take my honor system for that. This week's secret word, which will become apparent once we get into the deep dive of this episode, is Humboldt Fog. It's a cheese. Humboldt Fog. A cheese. It'll come apparent later. Okay, let's unmute Sherman. Hey, Sherman. Hey, Landon. You know, I was just thinking, it's fucked up. For how much we talk about chalupas on this show, I don't know if I've yeah. ever eaten a chalupa in my life. I, I can't even oh. really tell you off the top of my head what a chalupa is. My cousin gave himself the nickname of chalupa. Well, I mean, he self-applied it, so I guess it wasn't <laughs> something cruel. There, there's that, at least. <laughs> um, I have no comment on it. Um, okay. I don't know. I, so Taco Bell wasn't my thing growing up. Uh, I had a little bit of it maybe in my late 20s, early 30s uh, mm-hmm. when I was just like, oh, my body can withstand, you know, <laughs> punishment and abuse. Um, <laughs> that that misplaced sense of confidence that comes around your 28th or 29th birthday. <laughs> just it comes when you see the Taco Bell sign. Um, so, yeah, I, I had it later in life. So I can't say that I have had a chalupa uh my thing was getting the cheesy gordita crunch oh my god that is such a good menu item dude that is really a good one at the time though it wasn't a menu item it was a secret menu item oh shit i didn't even realize it was now it's come into the light but it used to be secret i didn't even realize that i I think so wow me on that i could have been eating cheesy gordita crunches for longer i mean Truthfully, I only started recently. I've been a crunch wrap boy for a long time, and then I've started. I've kind of like upgraded to the cheesy gordita crunch level. But let's uh, let's if not you, overlook. If you, can, if you can consider the the ingredients at Taco Bell to be actual cheese, you know, I mean, whether or not it's actual cheese, it tastes like what Taco Bell tastes like. Like that is the real genius of Taco Bell is that is that we know that the food that they serve is only like 60 to 70% of what it purports to be and yet we still <laughs> right. go there because it tastes like nothing else in the world only Taco Bell. Here's an interesting thought though. Um <clears throat> I I'm surprised that some sort of bougie place in Los Angeles hasn't done this where they've done or where, where they take Taco Bell menu items and make high-end versions of them. Hmm. Yeah. I mean... Like, what would you expect to be in a upscale, you know, $40 cheesy gordita crunch? I mean, I, I guess that the the tortilla would be handmade to order by an <laughs> elderly Mexican woman who was flown in from Oaxaca or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. You know, organic lettuce... Um, mm-hmm. th- uh, only the finest beans. I don't know a way to bougify beans, but probably not from a can. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. probably yeah, and the the ingredients, the oil and stuff that you prepare them in, and the the process. They're like slow aged. Yeah, so, slow aged slow aged beans, extra virgin olive oil, straight from Tuscany. Uh, I think the ground beef is is they get the finest cut of wagyu beef straight from japan and then they (laughs) mince that up chop it up grind it up with a bunch of 99 cent spices from the taco bell lab um well okay of course this is a this is a bougie place doing it so it's it is the it is the spices that they have reconstituted to taste like taco bell spices exactly yeah right i i mean and And then what kind of what kind of cheese and what kind of cheese (sighs) 
I mean, you want the best cheese in the world, so obviously you get Tillamook cheese straight from Tillamook, Oregon. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, Landon, have you noticed recently that our podcast has become a lot of us just doing free promotions for companies that do not pay us at all? When no, did this we, happen? we have no, I, I think it's, I don't know if there's, what kind of regulations are out there suggesting that you have to, uh, you know, tell if you are doing promoted content or sponsored content. Um, there's nothing out there that says that you can't do promotions of things you aren't getting paid for and well, whether or not we have to notify that we are not getting paid by anybody for anything there there is something in out fact there we're giving you. out free we're giving out free restaurant ideas yeah on, honestly if anything you should be paying to listen to this because this is um you know we, we've got the inside track on how to become a restaurateur um i think the only <laughs> thing telling you not to do free promotions for major corporations is common sense because like yes why would you do that like i can't <laughs> and why I can't, are you coming here for common sense if i walk into a taco bell and i play this section of our episode for the person at the counter they're not going to say like oh okay here's your free cheesy gordita crunch thank you for the are you sure thank you for Have the you promotion. tried that before <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I haven't. I guess I haven't, but I have been to Taco Bell, and the people there seem pretty businesslike and no nonsense. Like it doesn't seem like they'd be they'd be into like, hey, I'm gonna spend like nine minutes listening to you guys prattling on about Taco Bell at the beginning of a home improvement podcast. Like they, I think they'd be more like, sir, please, if, if you want to exchange U.S. currency for for goods, then I'm happy to engage in that transaction with you. I am yes. not currently willing to engage in you know. I'm not willing to listen to a podcast in exchange for Mexican food. That's not I, I don't I don't think that Taco Bell operates on that level yet. I don't think well, they take cryptocurrency either, so speaking of prattling on about non home improvement related items, um I do have Good a segue. a preamble that is Oh kind of related to home improvement. You you dumbasses listening thought you were already hearing the preamble. No, no, <laughs> that was the pre preamble. <laughs> Okay, that was the prattle amble. Um, we <laughs> we have to talk about. I I don't even know. Kevin? I don't retain the information of what commercials are the product is actually for. Uh, the commercial will get. It's the exact opposite of what companies intend, where they want the product to get stuck in your head because they do something stupid, right? Yeah. Uh, I just I've trained myself not to remember what the product is for a commercial I hate. So Good for you, um, I don't know what this is for, but we have to talk about John Travolta as Tim Allen as Santa Claus. I I am I I am not familiar with this commercial. Really? Oh, okay. Um, basically, John Travolta is playing Santa Claus, looking identical to Tim Allen playing Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, talking to Sam Jackson, it's probably a Capital One mm. uh, oh, ad, no. if, I'm, if I'm thinking correctly. But yeah, uh, he's talking to, to Sam Jackson over video chat, and oh, Sam Jackson's playing Sam Jackson, but Travolta's playing Santa Claus. He's uh, playing Tim Allen as Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Um, later, we, we find, obviously, Travolta and Tim Allen star in Wild Hogs together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what this like this takeover of, of Tim Allen's career because <laughs> Chris Evans is playing Buzz Lightyear now. <laughs> um, there, I mean, there, there's that aspect of it. They're they're just they're franchising out 
Tim Allen's it's it's like a private equity firm bought Tim Allen's career, loaded it up with debt, <laughs> and then filed for Chapter Eleven, and now they're just franchising out individual pieces of it to the yes. highest bidder. Like Chris Evans, you get Lightyear. Uh, Travolta, you get Santa Claus. <laughs> okay, who's coming? Who wants his character from Red Belt, the David Mamet movie with Ch- <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor? Who wants it? Who wants it? We're going <laughs> pennies on the dollar. Um, oh my! I. I think that that is fascinating, and honestly, my initial response to hearing, oh, it's Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta in a credit card commercial is, is I, I just, I think of that picture of the 31-year-old cat who just looks so tired and so beaten down, the fact they're like, <laughs> yes. oh, they're just trying to trade on our fond memories of Pulp Fiction to get us <laughs> to get a credit card, and, they're, and yeah. th- that also loops in the Santa Claus somehow, oh, jeez. But okay, so I, I can already hear people yelling through their earbuds uh, about like how can you determine whether or not Travolta is just playing Santa versus Tim Allen's Santa? Yeah, um, I just sent you a photo of Travolta as Santa, and I want you to to describe what your experience is. Oh Jesus! Oh God! Oh oh no! Now oh why did I double tap it? Now it's oh now now my entire screen is just his uh, just his face. Ew 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 ew. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, I I mean, (laughs) it's left you speechless. (laughs) I I can't really react to this right now. I mean, what, what about this? Like, it's very unsettling, definitely. And it will haunt my dreams. Why do you say that it's Tim (laughs) Allen? Like that? Why do you say that he's channeling Tim Allen? Is this the same outfit he wears in the, in the Santa Claus? I get that it's a Santa suit, but like, yeah, I can't even, I can't even say that much. So much as like, whenever I see it in our Twitter feed, um, I you know just scrolling by, I every single time I do a, a spit take or a double take of like Tim Allen is in a Capital One commercial, and then realizing that it's John Travolta. I guess it's kind of in the eyes a little bit, the eyes and the nose. You, I really yeah. do see it there. I, I mean. I don't know. I'm sorry. Now I'm now I'm now I'm doing a you on the podcast, and I'm seizing on background details. I never thought Santa would be a white lights guy. I always thought he'd be the multicolored oh, yeah, yeah, right. lights type. I mean, like that's white lights seems too bougie for Santa. I thought that Santa was a man of the people, but I guess he he <laughs> he owns a large toy making corporation, so of course he's not. Um, well, okay. It's and this is the thing though. What I'm seeing is the long white hair. I'm seeing the fact that the Capital One makeup artists are clearly trying to make him look like his Pulp Fiction character. And, sure, and yeah. that maybe that has accidentally taken us into Tim Allen ca- uh, uh, territory. Does that does it suggest territory? that Tim Allen is? Ter- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Does it, does it suggest that uh, that that Tim Allen is secretly a, a Tarantino character this whole time? Oh God, please! Tarantino has one more film left in him do not let him revitalize Tim Allen's career <laughs> okay but wouldn't it be weird if he did wouldn't it be great if that <laughs> it, was what it happened? might be it might be the only thing to get me to see Tarantino's last movie <laughs> if if he if he revitalizes Tim Allen's career then that means that then and then suddenly Tim Allen is the biggest celebrity in the world again and then for the light year sequel they boot Chris Evans and bring Tim Allen back <laughs> It would be worth it, Landon. It would be worth it. Would it be worth it? I don't know that that's a world I want to live in. I got to be honest with you. I I don't know that this is currently a world I want to live in anyway. There's a lot of stuff going on that already makes it a world I don't want to live in. Let's just make it an interesting world we don't want to live in, at at least. (laughs) Okay. I, I will say 
that I think, I don't think they are consciously going for a Tim Allen vibe with this Travolta clause. I think that it is more just, I, I think it's that we have too much uh, uh, Allen trauma because like, look, okay, I'm looking at that's it a and good I'm, point. I'm seeing, I'm seeing what you're seeing. And like, I, if you just showed me this, like the first thing I would think is like, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, Tim Allen is, is the Santa Claus. I think it's just that it, Th- this wasn't intentional. We've just spent too much time looking at Tim Allen's face, more so than any human being was meant to in this in this uh, this decade, this century. <laughs> I will accept that as an answer. Oh, Truman, Landon, we we gather here each week not to talk about John Travolta, <laughs> or even specifically Tim Allen, but or, or, the, uh, or Taco Bell for that matter, <laughs> or Taco Bell. We we gather to speak about the TV show Home Improvement. Yes. And Landon. most of the time, we don't have a hundred percent track record, but most no. of the time, we watch the same episode. I, and and it seems as though we've watched the same episode this week. But just to be sure, Landon, could you could you give me a little rundown on what what happened this week on the TV series Home Improvement? Uh, I will absolutely synopsize the episode I watched. When Mark casts his family in a horror movie, he's directing Jill. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Grows mm-hmm. concerned that her gloomy, moody son. Uh, really does want to marry, uh, murder his parents. Whoa, siblings. Ayo. <laughs> that would be a a very a very different form of horror. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that right, a... folks. We're do... <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> we, we're 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 doing our favorite episode again. That's right. Re-rack it for a night to dismember. <laughs> I just don't want to watch any other episode of Home Improvement except that one. I can't blame you. Um, okay, I got a real synopsis here. Uh, okay. Well, that was Tim a real Jill, synopsis for last week. It was, yes, uh, and just hopeful thinking that I got to watch it again, which I didn't, uh, mm. but I guess I could, just not for the podcast. Okay, real synopsis time. Tim and Jill throw a surprise party for Wilson, and the only relative who can attend is his hopeless wanderer niece named Willow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she I see what you did is there. Ha- happy to be there. Uh, and says that uh, after so much globetrotting, she's ready to set down some roots. Jill suggests maybe she should stay with Wilson. Hmm. Truman. Yeah. Landon. Would you, would you, sir, like to? <coughs> I had a sneeze coming on, and I just swallowed it. <laughs> you shouldn't have done so that. Sorry. I, I... I was I was sitting here like, well, Landon clearly wants to do a very big pause to lead up to this thing, so let's all <laughs> no. just get on Landon's level. I had an inconvenient sneeze coming on. Um, <laughs> uh, that listen, that movie by Al Gore really got everybody thinking about sneezes <laughs> and how they were going to destroy the world one day. Okay, professional podcaster, leave room for an edit point. Okay, take two. Truman, <laughs> would you like to guess that title? You you like I love you leave these edit points for me to cut around things and then we're both laughing about the thing that happens so I'm not I don't know okay <laughs> I, I I I am shitting all over your edit point I would like to guess that title Landon I have great a, please I, do I have, I have a huge number of guesses right now oh okay a huge number well, more than usual all right okay one niece car like <laughs> niece like niece car <laughs> like noise. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I really wanted that to continue and just 
<laughs> have this podcast completely devolve into the state that it's you know uh, the, the, fated the, were, to become at some point. Well, yeah, the, this podcast to devolve into what it always devolves into after we spend two hours talking about a twenty-two minute episode of Home Improvement. Next op- option. Next option. Nice to meet you. Okay, all right. You're on you're on a, a track here. I can see. Okay. <laughs> I, I find a thing that works. I immediately go super hard on that thing. I don't expand from that thing. This is why I've been fired from multiple ad agencies. <laughs> you get one angle and that's it. Um, three, a new niece on life. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Some might even say brilliant. Uh, <laughs> some, some might say that. And uh, 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 lastly, I guess I didn't have that many. I only had the four. Uh, lastly, where there's a willow, there's a way. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. A I construction like a lot. I have used a dozen or more times, yet Is the, we keep the, coming back. Now, I, I have to ask, was it intentional on your part to set up the joke uh, of of the niece titles, three in a row, so that you could really draw attention to how different the fourth one was. It was more. It was more like I I write these down in the order I think of them, and I each niece <laughs> one begat more niece puns, and then I had that that well had run dry, and then I was like, Willow, Willow, Will, Will. There's a way like that. That's that's your your you know inside the podcaster studio of how I how I got us to where we are. <laughs> it's such a fascinating place to be. I know, um, I know. You, you, it, the inside of my brain is, uh, that. that's why people listen, really, is to get a window into the essence of Truman. Landon, were any of those the title of this episode? Kind of. Really? You, you got the title, but you, you didn't get the title. You said the title, but you didn't get the title. Landon, I'm... <sighs> You need to start talking some sense right now, or I'm going to buy a plane <laughs> ticket to Wisconsin and start smacking you around until you make sense. You need I, to I'm, start making sense. I'm okay. Listen, I'm going to have to ask you preemptively to show some restraint. I, I need you to sit down. I need you to do your deep breathing exercises. Okay, I'm doing it. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm sitting down now. Uh, we all can foresee your reaction to this title. It's called. The niece. <laughs> uh, Landon, I'm taking the day off. I'm taking PTO. <laughs> it's called the niece. I'm taking emergency bereavement leave. Uh, bereavement leave because I'm dead. Because I'm deceased. Because of how bad that title is, it killed me. Why? Why do you do this home improvement? It's like it's like most of the time it's clever, but then occasionally it's like, nope, we're taking the day, taking the day. We're we're taking PTO. Maybe they were on bereavement leave. Oh, the niece. Oh, oh wow. It, yep, that's not niece to me. <laughs> to have done that, I I will allow that joke. Just thank you on the sheer fact of how bad this title is. Because you know that I'm struggling, you know that I'm suffering right now. You will allow that joke. (laughs) This episode aired November fourth, nineteen ninety-seven. Directed by Peter Bonners and written by Charlie Hauk. Is that you you told me how to say that once, and I have forgotten because I I, retain those things. I'm I'm pretty sure it's Hauk. I mean, well, you don't you don't retain how to say. Well, you have retained finally how to say Bonners correctly. 
<laughs> but not Cheyenne slash Cheyenne, our our long term patron. We, we basically quit saying uh, the names of our patrons because yes. so you wouldn't have to keep mispronouncing <laughs> because her I'm name. I'm so afraid of mispronouncing her name again. You got to cut stress out of your life, man. That stuff will kill you. <laughs> uh, Landon Truman, how did you feel about this episode? <sighs> beat me to it again. I liked every this time. episode. Yeah, I, 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 you know, every time I liked this episode. You know, overall, I, this is not a perfect yeah. episode. It does not rise to the heights of uh, a night to dismember. Certainly, it had some flaws. What I loved about this episode is that it was weird and it was very confidently weird. This episode was like, yeah, yeah, you you've been watching this show for 7 years. You like our weird shit. You're enjoying it. Like, yeah, fuck it. Einstein's cousin or whatever is in this episode. Yeah, go for it. Um there's there's some really some of the best camera work I think I've ever seen in a three camera sitcom. Ooh, I, I can't a, wait to dig into that. There's an all you can eat buffet of spectacular jokes and wordplay and mm-hmm. um my new best friend makes what? an appearance. Yeah, oh, I, I just know. heard a, a Freudian sl- slip. Well, my new breast friend. Yes, okay, that was yeah. that's not no my that that there's the, it's this is not a horny episode. I'm just going to tell you that there's not that my new best friend though. Yeah, uh, does show up in this episode, and that was very and that's very exciting. We can get into that down the line. Um, yep. I think that. Uh, yeah, you know, otherwise, I mean, uh, story-wise, it's a little bit sweaty trying to rubber cement a cool, cultured, you know, kind of alternative, like, grungy young person into the show because clearly they know right. that JTT is going to leave. And, oh, and I can't wait to go go into her. Uh, oh, Because it, hello, she's more attached hello. to that scene That's a Freudian slip. Think. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> um, is that a Freudian Is uh, that's what she said, a Freudian slip? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is a is a thing that I suddenly feel so horrible about having said that I might edit it out of the episode entirely. A Freudian slip. I don't know. Um, uh, Your breast friend. It's fine. yeah. It's fine. So okay, but that's not who. That's not who my new best friend is, though. That's the thing. You well, might think- when you said your breast friend, I immediately thought, did he find Heidi's? section to be particularly interesting this week i mean she's talking about cheese i love cheese i guess that is a combination of multiple things that i like i i I did have a a a moment of conscious um sweating where i'm like is truman really gonna go down that path of (laughs) identifying heidi as his breast friend no (laughs) no randy as his best friend no Guys, please, I would be no better than Tim Allen at that point were I to do that. No, thank you, sir. Um, uh, I, I got some other notes about, about the episode overall, but I think we can go into those in the deep dive. Landon, what did you think of this yeah. episode so that I can stop talking? Um, I don't know. I don't really have much reflections on it. it it's a fine episode. Uh, it feels like a, a setup episode, like they needed to introduce this character that you know I can verify we'll see a few more times. Um Ugh. Uh oh, what? <laughs> what was that? I just I'm I'm okay. I'm so, I mean I think that we we have we have opinions. I think we have feelings. Go on. Oh, though. oh okay. Oh my! I can't wait to get into our deep dive. There's gonna be a surprise party waiting for me around every corner. Yeah, um, I, that's what everyone's dream. I I I thought it was fine. Like if this was a dating app, I wouldn't be regretful for swiping right. But after the date. You know, uh, I'm not sure that I'd be super gung ho about you know setting up a second date, but I wouldn't yeah. be upset if it said, "Hey, do you want to be friends?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, let's uh-huh. see a movie sometime." You, you'd you'd give this episode a side hug. 
You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> this is 100% a, a side hug episode. <laughs> it was really cool meeting you. Good luck. Uh, good luck with your cat, you know. Yeah. Um, this Wow. Oh my so, god. Yeah. I mean I hope that the watercolors work out for you. We should um yeah, you know, I'll see you around though, definitely. <laughs> That's absolutely how I feel about this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I get that. I I feel I, I I know why you feel that way. I, I like generally that's my opinion too. There's just a bunch of standout moments. It's like if you had one of those dates, right. but there were nonetheless like three moments that really made you laugh out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're ready, let's hit the lights, duck behind the couch, stifle our laughter so we don't ruin the surprise for the deep dive. It sounds good. Although I I actually I got uh, I hit traffic on the way here, so I'm actually late, and I'm going to run into the birthday <laughs> okay. boy outside the house and completely ruin everything. <laughs> uh, we start in the kitchen uh, slash living room slash dining room um the house jill comes in while the family is basically setting up for a party randy and the grunt creep are filling balloons uh the grunt creep floats off (laughs) apparently he's made of such lightweight material that uh, a single helium balloon can can lift him away like up Mm -hmm. um and he is a house yeah interesting Oh, I didn't think about that. Interesting. Made of lightweight building materials. There you go. Uh, Tim just got off the phone with Albert Einstein's nephew, Quirky. Uh, he is, you know, uh, available to attend Wilson's party. Um, I have questions about that in a second, but let me get through the rest of the scene. Basically, they're all prepping for this party for Wilson. Uh, Jill says that uh, his niece is also coming, which is a big treat for him because it's the only family member who can attend. Apparently, his mother, uh, who we've met, uh, at least her eyeball, uh, <laughs> we met her eyeball, is off chasing twisters. Um, Brad comes in. Uh, having come back from the store, he has a large photo of Wilson as a boy for the party. Uh, and the photo is a photo of Wilson with his face obscured behind the cake. So that's that's it. That's our cold open. Listen, I know that you should have a career outside of your children. And at the same time, it's your son's birthday, Mrs. Wilson. The Twisters will always <laughs> is be <it>? there. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, she's not getting any younger. Let's put that out there. Um but I, was this? This is my question. Was this a birthday party? I guess I assumed um, and I, it was. I ask, I ask that looking at the screen right now, as I have the episode playing in the background, and there's literally a banner that says "Happy Birthday" hanging up. Well, Landon, it's not like you're the one who always pays obsessive <laughs> attention to the background details of episodes, so we can we you know it's fine that you that you overlooked this. I, Listen, what, I'm not. Gonna, you, I'm going to be. I'm an honest student. I will say that I did not pay much attention to this episode while watching it this morning, literally a half an hour ago before <laughs> recording. Uh, so you, I, I could have watched it last night. I decided, nope, I'd rather watch Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom <laughs> and go to bed at midnight than watch an episode of Home Improvement. Uh, yeah. So, so what's the uh, what's the eating a goat's head count for this episode? Honestly, that you could have transplanted that dinner scene from Temple of Doom into Wilson's party and not skipped a beat. I, Wil- Wilson probably knows like all of the village elders from that village <laughs> in Temple of Doom. Um, yeah. I just think I I, just, I I like what what kind of 
what other occasions do people throw surprise parties for though like what else like maybe an anniversary maybe um, but he's already retired true um and it che- i mean there's something that inherently about the surprise party that says it has to be about birthdays you could do a surprise party for anything yeah y- yes we're, we're applying airbud rules to it then i suppose anything goes sure <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> surprise! It's Thursday. I uh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I have one big question about yeah. the Taylor family. Uh, yeah, uh, not even a question, more of an issue, which yeah. is um, a why are they always the ones tasked with throwing a party for people? Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of parties thrown on this show. Yes. Uh, and follow up question to it though is. Why are we asking them to throw parties when they have this really unfathomable tendency to want to enlarge photos of people? (laughs) I've never been at a party or have had a birthday of my own and thought, you know what would make this better? You know what I would find to be really touching and sentimental? If there was a shitty picture of me blown up to gigantic size to fake check that you win at the end of a race (laughs) size that I then have to store for the rest of my life because I don't want it to seem like it's gone to waste because because it has because now you know that your friends went to great effort and expense to make it so obviously (laughs) you can't throw it away and they live next door to you so they expect to see it up in your house every time they come over that shit is cannot be cheap. Like they're no. printing it on like foam board. It's you know definitely. Uh, I, I can't even. It's it's about poster size. You know, it's yeah. definitely bigger than maybe not subway poster, but it's 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 big. That that had to have minimum cost fifty bucks. Yeah. No. They these. I mean, and look, obviously, no one here is suggesting at Grunt Work that Wilson isn't worth it. Like, Wilson's worth no, 200 bucks for a blown-up picture of his face. But yeah, I don't know a lot of people who see a baby picture of them and are like, oh man, you know what I would love would be if that were a driver's huge. license photo. <laughs> or a driver's license photo. Or just, yeah, like any photo of them. And like, I want that picture to be massive and and everyone to look at it. Like, even even the best-looking people I know... I don't think are really comfortable with the notion of having a really gigantic picture of them up for everyone exactly. to see. There's only one situation that I can think of where it makes sense to enlarge photos, and that's only if you are hosting a historical documentary for PBS and you're walking through a black box <laughs> and large photos are hanging from wires to kind of take you through the years of something. The year was 1866. <laughs> Steve Plenderson had just come back from the Civil War and bought a farmstead <laughs> out in Montana Territory. Right? Uh, yeah, and, and look, maybe that's what happened to Wilson. Who knows? Um, I... <laughs> So, something else that happens in this scene, short of the short of the uh, riveting uh, Kinko's aspect of it all, is that yeah. because they're they, okay. Never mind how much money they spent to enlarge the photo. They also okay. rented a tank of helium and are yeah. filling helium balloons. That shit's not cheap either. Like again, Wilson's worth uh, it, but eh, is it is it I, cheap? Is helium well, been cheap know. this whole time? This is my my very first job was at a place called. Uh, Gags and Gifts. I couldn't remember the name of it for a second. Uh, 
it was basically like a Spencer's Gifts. But our main source of income actually was renting out helium tanks and filling up balloons from helium tanks for the people that didn't want to rent them. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, so- I mean, I, I cannot remember at this point, which I would have been working there maybe one year after this episode aired. Or oh. no, it might have been while this episode aired. I don't oh, know. Sh- it was very close to it. But So, so you knew the, knew the exact price of helium at that point in time. At that point in time, definitely not now. Uh, I can't remember back that far, but I okay. Well, I I, I don't know. It, it's like I would expect. I honestly no. I guess I'm not surprised at all. Tim is a do-it-yourself person. Of course, he'd be like, "No, I'm not yeah. going to pay the extra five bucks for you to fill the balloons. I'm going to get the tank." <laughs> um, they're filling okay, but they're, they've got the helium tank. What I love about this scene. Like, it's a cheap laugh, but I'll give it to you, is that they are huffing helium from the balloons to just discuss (laughs) the logistics of the party and the kind of basic boring details of the party. But they're doing it in voices like this. And there is a screenwriting tactic called the the Pope in the Pool move, which is from a a screenwriting book called Save the Cat that gives you a lot of different uh, kind of eclectically named uh, tricks for how to do screenplay stuff. But it basically recommends... ruin movies. It did. It did ruin movies. Movies are worse, I think, because of this book. But yes. uh, the Pope in the pool is where, when you have to give the viewer a bunch of boring plot information, you have something interesting happen on screen. And this is inspired from a movie where um, it's about someone trying to assassinate the Pope. And when the Pope is being briefed about the assassin, that scene happens while the Pope is swimming in his personal swimming pool because. You, the viewer watching it, are like, "Oh my God, the Pope has a swimming pool. That's so cool. I didn't even know about that." And then you get this information. So all the same, this, there's the same scene sans Pope in the last action hero. Uh, where, where it's the it's the Schwartz in the pool is that no no Charles Dance is talking about uh, needing to assassinate um, I think uh, whoever um, John Slater uh, and Anthony Quinn who is hired Charles Dance uh, is in the pool. Yeah, I, I mean an interesting thing on screen uh, a sp- is the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. <laughs> Okay, Charles Dance is inherently interesting. A man who That's got right. yes, uh, yes. Who, who got assassinated on the toilet in Game of Thrones always will be interesting. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, it's been years and the show is not relevant anymore. <laughs> uh, spo- spoil- spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. They, they burned down the whole city. Uh, okay. The point is, I think that this is a Pope in the Pool moment of like, we have to get all this information about Wilson's birthday out there. It's boring information. Let's have them be yeah. huffing helium, and it immediately makes it funny when they're just saying boring stuff. And I thought that was that was a clever, uh, clever way of getting getting the shoe leather across. So clever that it's not the first or only time, or it is the first, but not the only time that it happens in <laughs> the episode. Well, um, yes, that's true. So we get a uh, person stepping into frame and slicing the cake out of the uh, photo, the enlarged photo of Wilson, uh, and serving it to us. That takes us into the theme song. Uh, oh Truman, boy. did you receive uh, this week's theme song corner topic? I did receive this week's theme song corner topic as it loads. Yes, okay, I've got. Well, I've got. I've got. Uh, uh, I, I've got. Travolta Claus up top, but then I have it yet. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yes. yes. So, yes, it's the final pose of the uh, mo- most modern family, uh, by which I mean the <laughs> the, mod- the the tailors in their current incarnation standing and looking e- into the camera. 
Uh, yes. And so what happens at the, this is the, the very last moment of the theme song. And this whole theme song is about kind of looking back, right? Mm-hmm. And and the changes that have occurred throughout the seasons. And what I find kind of interesting here is um, because of the, the kind of multimedia nature of the theme song that we've seen since the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. they're able to do some kind of, uh, you know, compare and contrast things. So this final moment of the theme song, like at first, has uh, Tim, Jill, and the boys rise up out of frame in their very first incarnation. Like you yeah. see the moment when Brad is about to look into our souls uh, and, <laughs> oh, man, and steal our forget. secrets. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the second iteration of them as uh, you know adolescents uh, pop up, and you know they are kind of rearranging themselves a little bit, and then finally we get the most current iteration of the three boys uh and tim and jill now are you know dwarfed by their height and they are the ones kind of trying to find a spot you know between them to peek their heads out of yeah yeah both brad and mark are taller than tim and jill at this point what i find interesting about this moment at the very end is there was a there was a very poignant and relevant question that was posed at the end of the theme song uh, in the first couple seasons. Do you remember what that question was? What do you think? Should we put the kids in the middle? Yowie, yowie. And now, and that's exactly the question I was looking for. Thank you. But what was the what was the ultimate answer to that? Should they put the boys in the middle? Yeah, the, the answer was yowie, yowie, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I thought the yowie, yowie just interrupted their answer. Um, I find it interesting that the, the real answer to that equation was no, they put themselves in the middle. Oh, they are in the middle of the boys. Mm, you know what? And, and yeah, and I feel like I feel like the fact that they didn't put the kids in the middle was then kind of what spurred the creation of another popular family sitcom, Malcolm in the Middle, a few years later. <laughs> you know, it, it begs the question: What if we did put a kid in the middle? Uh, yeah, no, no. The, it is it is though this brilliant reversal where Tim and Jill. Well, honestly, it's it's brilliant just blocking where, like, the, the first incarnation is the kids in front and Tim and Jill tower above them, and then the second one yeah. is kids in front, and they're kind of partially blocking Tim and Jill, and now yeah. the kids are front and center, and you can barely even see the parents. I mean, it, it honestly well, says... And- in addition to that, the first two iterations are the kids kind of moving around trying to find their place, and now it's Tim and Jill moving around trying to find their place. I mean, it's it's kind of a kind of a, a sober metaphor for as you know the children age and the parents age. The parents are now mm-hmm. trying to find their place in the children's lives, which is something that Tim and Jill have talked about in multiple tear-inducing episodes in the past. You know, it's it is interesting that this season seems to be the the theme of Brad, Randy, and Mark are. Basically, they've found their characters, both, Mm -hmm. you know, the actors playing the characters, but the characters have like found their own identity where Tim and Jill are now entering into a new chapter of their own identity and trying to figure out who they are and what they want to do. That's kind of interesting. Who knows if they intended that (laughs) that much symbolism with this final moment of the theme song, but um, there are interesting parallels there. Look, the fact that the opening credits end with three different iterations of the family over the years, definitely, I think, the people making this at this point, I think, are giving almost as much thought to it as we, the two people making a podcast about it 25 years later. Like, they, they, I I think they definitely, with this shot, want us to think about, wow, look how much everybody has grown. 
I'm glad you said that so that I don't feel like I'm wasting my time going into the minute analysis of uh, of the Home Improvement theme song. Landon, just if justified the last five years of my life. Landon, if you had doubts about how you're spending your time analyzing Home Improvement, now is... I, I, you, you've been committed to this for way too long to be having those <laughs> doubts at this point. I mean, I... <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, yeah, great theme song. No notes. Uh, 10 out of 10. I, I forgot that David McFadden's name was spelled that way, but now I remember. There you go. Um, okay, okay, we go from the theme song Back Home. Yes. What happens? Back Home. Uh, so the doorbell rings back home, and Tim is very excited because this means... Something Tim explained in the previous scene while high on, uh, on, on uh, helium is that uh, Wilson's niece is also bringing Wilson's old family Studebaker down, which Tim is going yes. to restore and give to Wilson as a present. Doorbell rings. Tim is excited that the niece and the Studebaker are here. They open the door and we greet Willow Wilson, uh, Wilson's cool alternate kind of in her 20s uh, uh, Alana Haim-esque <laughs> niece. And... Uh, she comes in, she meets the boys, uh, she kind of gives a sense of her deadpan 90s grungy character. Uh, she, like, you know, she's a massage therapist who studied German philosophy. And, um, as you would expect Wilson's niece to, to do. Yes, that would make sense. And, uh, they are getting a bunch of phone calls because she has preemptively given out Tim's number to a bunch of her new agey friends. And, uh, Tim answers the phone and tells her that it's one of these new agey friends calling. And when she hears which one, she says <laughs> that she's not going to talk to him because he's an insensitive egomaniac who can't share his feelings. And Tim says, I'm not, uh, he's, she's not going to talk to you because you're a guy. And the scene ends <laughs> to rapturous applause. This is, this touches on something that I want to talk about right now, unless you've oh, got okay. something you need oh. to jump into. Oh, I got plenty to jump into here, but uh, you, you start us off. What? are they doing to these studio audiences? Because if we thought last week's people were rowdy, guys, guys, folks, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary listeners of, of all stripes, the audience for this episode, it's like it's like Jerry Springer. Like, I, I don't even get... Yeah. Like, they are, they are so... Like, I know we were talking about how rowdy they were last week, more yeah. rowdy. There are whoops and shouts and hollers for every single joke. Not just like, and I mean like. <laughs> See, this is the thing. They you you think that they pumped, they, they were sucking helium. Really, they were pumping um, whatever the uh, I can't remember what the gas is that lowers your voice. So they were pumping that in for the audiences, and they were just delirious on whatever that gas was. And Tim and Jill were just talking normally. Well, they, well, then they would be sounding like ho 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 ho, yeah. God, that would be that would be terrifying. That, that would be metal as hell, though. I mean, it's just like <laughs> typically on sitcoms where the audience gets rowdy. Like it is, be it is when there is a major plot twist. It's when there is yeah. a huge, huge, like colossal, massive joke or like cameo appearance, or when something kind of sexy happens. On this one, just the basic interplay and back and forth and like j joke repartee between like the boys or something like that. Just an individual joke from like Brad will get a like woo from the audience. <laughs> right. It's like right. people are so hyped to be watching Home Improvement. I. I uh, I don't maybe, know. Maybe the, I mean it's it's true that you know the end wasn't necessarily in sight for them because they didn't make the choice to end the show until the eighth season. I think right before yeah. the eighth season they decided 
or it might have even been like midway through the eighth season when contracts would come up for the ninth season, potential mm-hmm. ninth season that they decide not to. So it's not even that the audiences are like, this is our final chance at loving the show. They're just high on the show. I mean, it, I mean, is it just that like we're in the live studio audience for what is far and away the most popular TV show in America right now, and we're 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 high on a feeling. <laughs> it could it could quite well be, you know. Uh, I I don't know. I, was there something in the culture that was just like the coolest thing you could possibly do was go to a. a taping of a 90s sitcom i don't know i mean like i'd be interested to compare it to other sitcom audiences of the time i look and i didn't do this but watching this episode two-thirds the way through i was like i need to go through this episode and count how many woos there are there needs to be a woo count (laughs) there were a lot of woos in addition to the grunt count i didn't care enough to watch the episode twice so sorry folks i'm not doing that actually (laughs) um what, what do you got for this scene? What what, what stuck what out I... to you for this, for this rowdy, rowdy scene? Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see. So, first of all, I well, I, maybe this isn't even worth mentioning. They've got all the enlarged photos. It wasn't just one. There's multiple oh, enlarged yeah. photos. Yep. And they've got them strewn up about the house. And they don't show it initially. They show it later in the scene. But my note was like, so you're just going to put up photos of Wilson, gigantic photos of Wilson in view of the large window that overlooks Wilson's backyard for him to see that your neighbor has a gigantic photo of himself. But th- then later they show, oh, no, all the blinds are shut, which is also like a little equally suspect if you're Wilson and going, they never shut their windows. <laughs> they never shut their blinds. Why are they shut now? But um, it's 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 also a little suspect just in general on a different level that like, yeah, uh, our our neighbor is always in the backyard and is tall enough to see over the fence. We're going to keep all our blinds open so we can just watch us go about <laughs> our family business. Fair point. Uh, okay, here's what I really want to do for this scene is yeah. go into a character actor corner and talk about Willow for a moment. Okay. Um, character actor corner, Willow is played by uh, an actress by the name of China Cantor. Cantner, Cantner, Cantner. She is the daughter. Uh, so I, I want to mention this. Go into her credits and then come back to it. She's the daughter of um, Grace Slick and uh, Paul Cantner. Grace mm-hmm. Slick and Paul Cantner of Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Jefferson Starship. Oh, oh, okay. All right, that makes. All right, that's interesting. That's very interesting now. Okay. <laughs> she has 13 acting credits. Um, she, okay, so the, you you were kind of joking and jibing about uh, the fact that she's of this kind of alt crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, she is in the post-Days and Confused world for sure, mm-hmm. uh, starring in The Stoned Age, uh, Airheads, SFW, mm-hmm. these like quintessential, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> I guess Airhead isn't necessarily a, a Linklater, uh, you know, cookie cutter, but um, she was of that ilk for sure. Uh, she also starred in Murphy Brown um, and obviously this show. So uh, I guess our metagame, do you want to guess whether or not she was on ER in any of her other credits? I'm going to go ahead and say she wasn't on ER because I don't see how a character like this <laughs> and she seems to play a certain type of character. I don't see how that fits into uh, that hospital. 
Uh, well, you know, she could have been on an episode where the dorm room burnt down uh, because they <laughs> overturned a bong. We're yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. It's it's an on location episode of Lollapalooza or something. Um, <laughs> no, I'm still gonna say no. Uh, you're right. She was not on ER. Knew now it. I want to talk about her for yeah. a minute. Um, not necessarily her as an actress. Uh, more of the character of Willow. Want to get your thoughts on her, generally mm-hmm. speaking? Uh, how you uh, how you felt about the character? Yeah. Um, and I, I have some thoughts about just kind of the vibe that she's bringing here. Yeah, she does. Let, let me start out by saying she could have been cast as one of Jill's sisters. Yes. She's I got mean, the same kind of like Texas, you know, Texan alt, you know, kind of snarky vibe that Jill does. I didn't get a huge Texan vibe off of her, but like she and Jill, like the scenes where she and Jill are talking to one another, I definitely got the sense of like there is a connection between these two and it totally would be plausible for her to be one of Jill's sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I That's what I got out of it. Yeah. So I one basically the, said the same thing things. you said. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you feel about her though? So when she first came on screen and was first interacting with the family, my note was that Willow is cool and that I have a crush on Willow. And then, like, <laughs> okay. like after four minutes or so of Willow being on screen, I later noted, I'm getting pretty sick of Willow's whole thing. And then as it went on, it was like, I don't think this actress is terribly good and she's actively annoying me with her whole... Oh like laconic 90s bit it just it just really was rubbing me the wrong way and wow right now at least the way i feel about willow fans of the good seasons of the simpsons will remember an episode where homer is drafted into the very popular itchy and scratchy tv show playing a character named poochie and basically it's this (laughs) new extreme very hip and quote-unquote relevant character who is totally out of touch with the rest of the show but who the producers want you to like Uh um she has a certain kind of poochie energy in that the show is like (laughs) hey here's this new person and she's although she is objectively kind of abrasive everyone on the show likes her because we the producers want you to like her um Mm. so i had a roller coaster with willow right now i'm not crazy about her (laughs) That's a that's a good point of like them trying to reach a different demographic that the show just outside of having Janine Garofalo on last season <laughs> really yes. just hasn't touched on right. Um, and and I, the reason I think I had a crush on her for like three minutes was because she was reminding me of Janine Garofalo, and then it was like, wait, you're not <laughs> no, but you're not Janine Garofalo. Uh, so yeah, uh, interesting. Um, I I actually really like her and i like her as an actress i think though i i hear what you're saying and i i think i can somewhat agree that it's just a what she's bringing doesn't mesh well with the sitcom style yeah like i think because i've seen stone aged uh the the stoned age <laughs> but uh, i've seen course. airheads i've seen sfw and i think she is a great representation of a certain very specific type of uh, teenager, even though she was 26 here. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know, I really, I could see moments where the actress even felt a little like, I know I'm acting on a sitcom and I don't want to totally act like I'm, be- you know, that this is below me, but like, uh, I have to say this, you know, very punchline line here. Um, 
Yeah. You know, and it, kind of acknowledging, you know, Tim's gruntiness and, and you know, his shtick. Like, it doesn't it doesn't completely congeal well when she has to acknowledge shtick. Yeah, yeah. Like, it feels, it feels like she's acting like she's a little above it at times, which, I don't know, as a frequent critic of this show, I get it. But then also, <laughs> as someone who watches the show, it's like, hey, you're in the soup with all of us. You're getting paid for this. <laughs> I, I will say what's interesting to me about the character is, and it's one that you don't see much of anymore, but is so vivid to my high school experience, which was you had the grunge era, right? Mm-hmm. Which was coming, it was a, a split off of like the metal years, the hair metal. It, there needed to be a another, you know, more kind of grounded movement that represented the angsty teenager that was coming out of the, the early 90s as opposed to, you know, the, the eighties mm-hmm. and the grunt or the grunt. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Landon, <laughs> you're in too deep, bro. <laughs> wow. Wow. Get, get, get this guy 250 cc's of designing women or some other TV show <laughs> to clarify, you know, just like cleanse your palate a little bit. <laughs> the grunge scene. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, once you got into, like, the grunge scene was a very small window from, like, 92, maybe, you know, hitting its apotheosis in 94 with Nevermind, mm-hmm. and then maybe lasting one or two years after that, uh, maybe in utero. The death of Cobain was the death of grunge, and then you got post-grunge coming. Mm-hmm. And what happens to grunge is it splinters in a number of directions, so you get kind of gearheads and metalheads kind of taking it and going in a different direction, but you also get this kind of like, it's almost like Cobain's uh, personality splits into Mm -hmm. the, the consciousness and you get kind of the, the flower child, the the people who go back to like the seventies metal or or the seventies rock. Uh And you get these kind of tie dyed t-shirts, but you know that they're listening to like Zeppelin. Yeah. And they, they're playing hacky sack at recess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're wearing overalls with the tie-dyed t-shirts and hemp necklaces. Yeah. Uh, th- that person, I-, I feel like Willow exemplifies to a T. And I don't know what happened to that person. Uh, 2000, you know, the year Y2K happened, and yeah. all of a sudden that person disappeared. Yeah, Y2K, the, it seemed like there wasn't a huge disaster, but what we didn't realize was that all of those post-grunge people got deleted from the simulation. That was the one thing that happened. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> That's and then not a not a bad theory. And, and then the survivors uh, of that nine uh, eleven just made them disappear completely. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also fitting though that these post grunge flower that you know the the embodiment on this show of the post grunge flower child type would be played by the daughter of the Jefferson Airplane yes. people. Jefferson Airplane, if... the band of White Rabbit and other you know seventies <laughs> rock kind of uh, stalwarts. It... It fits. It 100% fits. Um, okay, we spent a lot of time on her. Let's get back to the episode. Yes. The, uh, we get a scene slide transition to a little bit later, and it's party time. Okay, the, the only, I'm sorry, the only other thing I want to say about that scene, very quickly. She yeah. introduces herself. Her name is Willow Branchleaf Wilson. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a very right. long name, and she says, but I pruned it back, which is a laugh, and it's a good joke. The audience <laughs> it gets a big laugh, and someone goes, woo! For that joke. This is what I'm saying. Like, that's a clever line, but generally clever lines don't get a woo 
Unless, like, I'm in the audience or something. So th- that's the caliber of audience we're dealing with. Uh, maybe maybe the writer's room just became really competitive in the seventh season, and so all the writers are watching the tapings and, like, <sighs> cheering their individual lines so that they uh, they get more, more screen time in the future. Yeah, it's basically comedy blood sport at this point. Um, okay, <laughs> scene slide transition. It's time for the party. Time for the party. Uh, people are mingling. Um, it's not quite time to shut the lights off yet. It looks like, uh, to me, it looks like Bill and Ted gathered everyone at this party. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> it's all it's all people that Wilson know throughout the years. Uh, these kind of historical caricatures. Um, anyway, uh, Tim is like, okay, it's time to call Wilson over. He hops on the phone and says that there's some sort of uh, power outage that he needs help with because the boys and Jill can't help him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um. Meanwhile, uh, Brad and Randy are talking to Willow about uh, uh, the guy who called earlier about relationships, and Brad's trying to, like, posture a little bit. Remember, just like Al, Brad is between uh, relationships at the moment. Yep. It could go either way. It could be Al dating Willow. It could be Brad dating Willow. Who knows? (laughs) So after Tim calls Wilson over, uh, they they all decide to get ready uh, and hide for the big surprise, and um, he ushers Willow away to the garage. Uh, Wilson comes over, Jill answers the door, and uh, they flip the lights on. Surprise! Wilson is so taken back. He's so touched by all of this. Um, But uh, before he can even say hello to anyone, uh, except for Quirky, the uh, nephew of (laughs) Albert Einstein, um, (laughs) Tim ushers him away to the garage where, uh, yes, that's where the Studebaker is uh, currently parked. And... uh, Wilson's touched by this and says, uh, I can't believe you've got my my father's car. And he says, not just that, but we had a special person drive it here. Um, Willow pops up and Wilson just is beside himself. He's so touched by this that he completely ignores the Studebaker, much to Tim's chagrin. Did you get a little bit choked up seeing how excited and overjoyed Wilson was to see one of his family members, like hearing that joy in his voice? Uh, here's the thing. We are recording in the morning this time, as opposed to our normal uh, end of the day recording when the day has beaten me down and Mm -hmm. all of my emotions are, uh, just a, a scratch of the skin away. (gasps) So, um, my emotions were, were mostly in check. I will say it was touching. It did not get me misty-eyed, though. I, I watched this at the end of the day yesterday on a Friday, so I my, the emotions of the entire week hitting me. And I don't know. It was just wow. like, oh, you know, Wilson, he seems so genuinely thrilled to, to see yes. Willow, and the affection that he has for her is very clear. Um, So <laughs> uh, this scene uh, it, it features my favorite piece of directing that I think I've seen on the show yet. <laughs> it is a technical okay. achievement. It is best cinematography. It is uh, that... It, it, <laughs> you you put this pound for pound... This is the sitcom equivalent of any one of those single take shots in Children of Men where like it's a steady cam <laughs> going into a building being attacked by soldiers or like the car and, and, and the people are attacking it and Julianne Moore. Yep. Anyway, um... Wilson comes in, and the lights are out, and everyone's hiding, and walks in, and then they turn on the lights. Surprise! And when the lights come on, uh, it's blocked so that, you know, like, we see Wilson in silhouette, his full body, but then when it comes, when the lights come on, his 
the lower portion of his face is being blocked by a person standing in front of the camera with his back to the camera, and this person is themselves <laughs> holding a camcorder. And so we get we can only see the top of Wilson's face over this guy's head. Already the blocking this must have taken hours. Uh Wilson is like, Oh my god, oh it's just oh what a wonderful surprise. And then he says, Corky Einstein! The camera cranes up over the dude who's blocking us. It cranes up so that Wilson's face is nonetheless blocked because he's like looking away or something. We then see standing directly in front of the camera guy who was blocking us before. We now are able to see a dude facing away from the camera who has Einstein hair and like the Einstein (laughs) cardigan or whatever, who is also facing away from the camera. And it is this, not only is it paying off a joke from an earlier scene, it is paying it off entirely visually. And it's, and, and then Wilson runs up and hugs him or something. And it's like, so much shit had to go right. It was so complicated to get this scene right. <laughs> I want to call out that I think it's really good. And this is going to be my fondest memory of this episode is how hard the crew must have worked to make this joke <laughs> land. I salute every single one of the people on set who did this because it's a great bit. Yeah, and I, I'm going to um, back you up with that because uh, I'm watching the scene unfold as you're describing it. I'm watching it in the background here. And... Um, the dude with the camcorder starts out like standing on an apple box. We don't see it, but like he's towering over everybody else. So there's all kinds of technical things going on in the shot that we aren't supposed to be aware of, but are actually happening. So I completely agree with you. It, it, it's, it is a technical achievement. Um, w- one thing I do have to call you out on though. Yes. Um, and not call you out, but just draw your attention to is a joke that you, you're, you're missing. Okay. <laughs> which is Einstein's nephew. Yeah. Isn't named Corky. It's Quarky. Quarky. Oh, my God. I was missing that completely. That's even better. <laughs> Although, it is curious to me that, like, what? So, so Einstein's brother named their kid after Quarks, even though, like, what? Just like, oh, my, bro- my brother's really into relativity. I guess I'll name my right. kid after this concept. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we don't know much about uh, Einstein's brother. And well, speaking of which, I, I guess we didn't even draw into attention here that Willow is Wilson's niece. Yeah, meaning he has a sibling. It, it's really upsetting to know that Wilson isn't an only child. I, I, I wanted, I, <laughs> we I, I wanted that one. to be true. Yeah, I know. Pour, <laughs> pour one out. <laughs> um, although. To be fair, this comes up more later. Willow does have some pretty huge only child energy, so maybe we got one back, even if it's not the one okay. that we wanted. Um, fair point. I, there, okay. I have one note for this scene, yeah. which is uh, even though Mark is still dressing all in black and he mm-hmm. he's really playing up that Prince of Darkness look, which I you know love. Yeah. Um, I also love that he has been tasked with. Uh, sitting at the front door, looking out the window, and notifying everyone when Wilson's walking up. And when he does, he, with the the energy and enthusiasm of season two, Mark, <laughs> tells everyone, Wilson's coming! They're and here, guys! It was so charming to me to see that. Um, I loved it. You can, you know, you can take the uh, boyish energy out of the mark, but you can't take the mark out of the boyish. The the little mark who we all love, who dressed up as his daddy for Halloween, is still is still somewhere in there. And Al, yeah, for Halloween. 
Um, my other note about this is just that there's there's a whole podcast to be made about all the guests at this party. There is yep. a there is an Asian woman in some kind of pseudo traditional Japanese dress. There is a cowboy, like a full on dude with like a bolo tie and a cowboy hat. Oh, that was a Native American. Was that a Native American guy? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize. Okay, I do. I, re- I really do love that this show makes way more of an effort at, at diverse casting when it's like, well, it's Wilson. Wilson has diverse <laughs> friends. Um, but there is my favorite part when they're walking to the garage and Will, you know, they're kind of going through the, the, the party <laughs> yeah. as, as, as Tim is leading to the garage. Wilson is greeting these other people. And the last two people he talks to before he goes to the garage, there is a, a black woman in like sort of a generic like African uh, dress and like hat. But mm-hmm. then... Next to her, presumably her husband, is a dude in a like <laughs> jester's hat. Like you I know, how- saw the same guy, and it 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 was mildly offensive to some degree because like everybody is wearing you know the the stereotype caricature clothing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And then it's just like it feels like a writer went into the prop room, just grabbed a funny hat and put it on and entered the scene. I, where it's just like, I, I don't know. It felt a little off to me, but also well, I couldn't get over the like, he's just wearing a fucking jester hat, right? It, it's like it's like a jester hat, but it almost has like a very subdued color pattern to it. He's yeah. wearing a, a jester hat and then just like a button down shirt and black slacks. Totally normal clothes. If he took the hat off, he would be totally unremarkable. I... Looks like a villain from a really cheap episode of Voyager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the logic of it is almost like, well, you know, Wilson has friends of, of all stripes. He has, you know, African-American friends. He has Native American friends. He has Asian American friends. He has weird white guy friends. Because what is Wilson <laughs> if not a weird white guy? It's just another weird <laughs> white guy. Like, I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, Vermin Supreme, the, the perennial presidential candidate who wears a boot on his head. Maybe this is like that. that maybe this is the origin <laughs> story of that guy is that, you know, you yeah, go. I like weird hats. Um. Oh, let's go to the oh, next scene. Oh, um, okay, I, I'm I'm sorry. I I don't want this podcast to take literally our entire day. But I would say one other thing about when okay. when when they're in the garage, they see the car. Wilson is meeting Willow, and and talking. You know, and there's this whole yeah. They talk and they embrace, and then oh, yeah, Tim yeah. is trying to get them to hang out and and look at the car. But Tim and Willow go in the next room. I I it a note that I made was that Willow and Wilson seem to have an oddly intimate like way that they are with each other like they're something about like the way they were interacting almost felt like this is an old girlfriend or like there's some Ah. kind of sexual tension there and yeah and i felt weird about it too over the course of the episode i figured out what it was because there's so many scenes with the two of them on screen where willow's face needs to be blocking wilson's face as Mm -hmm. a result of that uh, Earl hindman has to be standing really close to her a lot so Uh... there's just it's not it's not anything like just the the strictures of trying to shoot Wilson means he has to be way closer to her than one typically would be to his young niece. Sure. So sure. It, it's again, it, it's the premise of the episode is a little sweaty and also the blocking of the episode is a little sweaty. <laughs> but there's a reason for that. <laughs> OK, and so is your co-host. Ooh. Um, OK, let's go to the next scene uh, yes. a little bit later. The party yes. is ending. Um, yes. Willow is talking to Jill on the couch. Wilson saying goodbye to people. Um, 
Wilson, uh, Willow's saying uh, to Jill that, you know, she's been out there for a while, moving from town to town, doing thing to thing, person to person, and she's looking to put some roots down somewhere. She really would love to be grounded. Um, and uh, in the background, Tim is, uh, you know, excited about the car, and Wilson has just kind of no interest in it because he, he has found found Willow. Yep. Um, and he's like, well... Kids, boys, you want to come look at the car with me, and we're gonna, you know, decide how we're gonna. First of all, Tim has offered to do up this hot rod for Wilson. Yeah, has he finished the last one? Has a has he finished the last one? B the car already looks pristine. Like it's, it's she fine. drove it there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. What else is there to be done? Uh, I don't know. Give it a, a you know a souped up engine and a. a yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, paint. yeah, yeah, more, yeah, more technical <laughs> terminology, Landon. Yeah, um, but yeah, even the kids are like, and I thought this was interesting. I feel like in a previous season, even Brad would have been like, "Yeah, let's take a look at the Studebaker," um, but all the kids are like, "Nope, no interest." And in, you know, just to to further Tim's problem in this episode, um, Wilson thanks Jill for the party, uh, and she kind of like nudges him and says, "You know, why don't you why don't you ask Willow to stay?" Um, after, you know, having talked to her and he goes, you know what, maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, so he does offer to Will, uh, Willow, uh, why don't you stay here with me in Detroit for a little while? And she says, well, okay, maybe, maybe I will. Um, Tim comes out and says, Hey Wilson, you want to, now that the party's over, um, take a look at that car. And Wilson's like, Nope, I'm going to go spend some time with Willow. Goodbye, Tim. And, uh, walks out. I, I, I have two notes for this scene. Yes. One, um, Wilson is saying goodbye to somebody at the party. This is our only oh, yeah. other character actor in this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Before I go into character actor corner, what's your what's your oh yeah response to this deck? Uh, the guy that Wilson is saying goodbye to at the beginning of the scene is is my new best friend. Um, it's your best a, friend. My, well, okay. I mean, yeah. I guess. I mean, he, he is literally Freud. He is okay. You th- okay, this is okay, I'm glad we're talking about this. At first <laughs> I thought, yeah, okay, so we had Einstein look alike at the party, we have a Freud look alike at the party. Yeah. A therapist with a booming and broad mid-Atlantic accent uh who is bald. <laughs> uh-huh. Friends, friends, this is Crypto Fraser and uh <laughs> and it's the crossover I've been waiting for for the entire show, it totally makes sense that Home Improvement would be doing a riff on Frasier, who obviously would be friends with Wilson. I mean, he's yes. saying like, you know, like, oh, Rolf, did you have a good time at the party? Mm, I don't know yet. I'm going to go home to my psychiatry practice and analyze it, and I'll tell you if I had a good time. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that is a second-rate Frasier impression, and I will take it. I love it. Well, let's go into this character actor corner. Uh, this gentleman... Oh, I, Truman, I hope you're sitting down for this guy. Uh, give me a uh, second. I am. Okay, great. Uh, his name is Byrne, spelled like David Byrne. <gasps> All of Piven. our hang-ups. Byrne what? Piven. Piven. Like Jeremy Piven. Because this is Jeremy Piven's father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm sitting down. Oh, my God. <laughs> The part where you need to sit down hasn't even come up yet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Burn Piven uh, has 45 acting credits uh, in things such as Being John Malkovich, Very Bad Things, 
Miracle on 34th Street, the 1994 version. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're, all, slips. What's we're doing going so on? many Freudian What's slips with, with this us guy? today, Landon? Oh, we shouldn't know. record in the mornings. We're too frisky. <laughs> he was on an episode of Frasier playing Dr. Sigmund Freud. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that episode. Oh, my God. Wait, so you're saying Jeremy Piven's dad had a whole career as a as a Sigmund Freud impersonator? <laughs> Though a, a it's sentence almost that has never it's been said. Almost as weird as realizing that acclaimed British actor Martin Sheen has a father who is a legitimate Jack Nicholson impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a true thing. <laughs> I I I okay that. That's a whole other thing to unpack. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm okay. Well, this the, I, I'm sorry, I, folks. I really am speechless. There's kind of too much to process. You should have texted me that information last night so I could have slept on it. So now I don't know. Is he tra- is he supposed to be Fraser? Is he supposed to be Freud? Is he supposed to be Freudger? Like I, I oh, he's man. supposed to be Rolf. I, Rolf, I guess. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Jeremy Piven's dad. Was he on ER playing Sigmund Freud? I'm going to say no. Uh, you are right on both accounts. He was oh. not on ER, nor did he play uh, Freud. Did, it this... looks like Frazier is the only time in which he played Sigmund Freud, though. <laughs> I was going to ask if he's been typecast. Okay. <laughs> I will say the year before this episode, he was on an episode or he was in a movie called E equals MC squared where he played the president. And the year before that, he was in a movie called lovers, not where he played William Shakespeare. What, what is it with him playing like great, great men of history was wait equals MC. He squared. also did was, the, he also did the voice the previous year uh, on biography playing Andrew Jackson. Ooh. What, now, so wait. Now, is he equal MC, equals MC squared? Is that the Tony mm-hmm. Shalhoub uh, Einstein movie where he's like friends with the mechanic played by John Cusack and helps him have sex with the lady? Uh, no, I'm sorry. That is um, uh, E oh, equals I- MC squared is uh, the Jeremy Piven, his son, uh, vehicle. I. Why did Hollywood decide that all the Pivens had to be famous? Like, what, what, I, I okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right, okay, look, we, we went, we got way too far up our own butts on that one, Um, but that is absolutely fascinating, and I don't, I, I, I folks, tune in next week when I, when I know what I think about all this. Maybe this isn't Crypto <laughs> Frazier, maybe he is or is not my best friend. Uh, okay, but uh, go on, go on with the, go on with your other notes from this scene. <laughs> Uh, other notes from the scene. Oh yeah, when Jill's talking to to Wilson um, about having Willow stay with him, Wilson displays a kind of a delusional self image of himself, uh, saying, "What would she want with uh, staying with a middle aged uncle?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which bit is delusional? That Wilson is is a little beyond middle age, or that a little a little bit beyond middle age? Yeah, I would yeah. Say so. Uh, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, "What? What are we calling middle age? Have I been calling the wrong group of people middle aged this whole time, or is Wilson going to live to be like 120 years old?" 
Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Is uh, how do you determine middle aged uh, if you do have a longer lifespan than others? But yeah. Um, and then Will Jill kind of like I feel like she course corrects <laughs> in the middle of that, kind of maybe overcompensating because he goes, "What would you want to do with a middle aged uncle?" And Jill goes, "Well, you're not some old fogey." And I'm like, "Okay, he's also not an old fogey." <laughs> Yeah, He's I somewhere mean, between the two. <laughs> Split the difference, Jill. Have it get a, get a sense for nuance already. <laughs> uh, other than that, that those are my notes on the scene. Uh, look, my my all my other notes on this scene are are either lines that I liked or moments where the where the audience was too rowdy, and I don't need to go through all of them. <laughs> but what I will say, the scene ends with Tim being upset and feeling kind of jealous that Jill, um, or that uh, Willow has kind of usurped his place with Wilson. Like, he wants to spend time with Wilson, but instead he's doing it with Willow. And Tim is upset at Jill for having suggested that Willow moves in, because it means he gets less Wilson time. So he takes a hit off of a helium balloon and goes, that's really hitting me below the belt! Which is... (laughs) I mean, that's funny. That's just funny. And there's no no two ways about it. Um, There's also... There's just... Yeah, when when Jill suggests like, oh, you know, maybe Willow could live with this guy who we know who's, you know, who's single and has a lot of space in his house and could use some company. And Wilson goes, well, I don't think that she and Al would get along. That is funny. But there is again, woo, yeah, from the audience. <laughs> uh, uh, like Willow says at one point, it's good to be grounded. And Jill goes, especially if Tim's doing re- electrical work. Woo! Like, that was a great line. <laughs> it's a great line. It's excellent wordplay. And truthfully, if I were in the audience, I would probably hoot for that because I'm very deeply invested in every line on the show at this point. It's just, again, <laughs> weird to hear it from an audience. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I do. So, I do. I discovered one more note I have for the yeah, scene uh, yeah. as I'm watching it play out in the background. As Wilson's talking to Jill, um, it's it's become white noise to me the things that are blocking his face at this point <laughs> unless they're like making a, a joke out of it yeah um I didn't even realize the thing that's blocking him fa- blocking his face in the scene is one of the the birthday presents that it's sitting on top of a wrapped box so mm. it's clearly oh, like yeah. this is the present that was inside of the box do you remember what that thing is it's a puffer fish <laughs> a gigantic puffer fish. We, and and also the first close up we get of the pufferfish blocking him also gets a big laugh from the audience as though they too didn't realize it right away how funny this is. Oh, and you know what? Two weeks ago I took this show to task to say that there weren't enough fish blocking Wilson's face on this show. That, asked and answered. Uh, this this, <laughs> this show lives up to your to your expectations. All right, let's get to okay. the next scene. Um, yes, tool time. Scene. Yes, it's classic car week, and guess who's back? That's right, it is Sparky. You might remember him from season ago, uh, a couple season, one of one of the previous seasons that we did. Uh, I I don't I don't remember him right up until this second. I thought this was the first time we met this guy. Totally forgot. Oh no, it was he. I can't. I think it was last season when uh, Heidi gave birth. Um, he was the the car oh, guy. The, he had the, the convention. He shit. was making a lot of jokes at the time. Yeah. Well, he is funny. I like this guy a lot. I, <laughs> I guess I liked him then too. Um, I don't exactly know what he's doing on the show outside of just talking about classic cars. Because uh, the whole segment is really, 
hey, thanks for coming on the show. Let's bring out TV so that substitute teacher can take a nap today. Oh my God, uh, I made the <laughs> same note. It's ridiculous. It's the worst in unit. Like he's like, hey, I, you know, I'm here for classic car week. Let's show this video that I brought that's just still shots of hot rods. And so they reel out a CRT TV and one of the in-studio cameras focuses on it. Like if I was in Royal Oak watching this show, I would be throwing shit at my TV. I'd be so mad at this programming. This is the worst. <laughs> and they're just basically watching like a slideshow that Sparky put together of going out to the Woodward Dream Cruise. Like, look uh, at all these pictures I took of the, the hot rods on uh, up and down Woodward. Um, it's what it's it's, it's, it's it's odd. It's odd, and the fact that him and Tim are so into it to the point where they're kind of leaving Al out of the equation was just like. Al's the only one trying to make this entertaining, you doofuses. What the fuck are you taking him to task for? <laughs> and 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 I and at one point he's trying to make it entertaining by just doing an endless series of Al puns, which you know I liked. I know you liked. Um, wh- what's funny to me about this scene, though, is it kind of subverts the the origins of this show, though, where Tim is like, you know what? I, I'm feeling a little soapboxy. It's been a while since I brought a personal soapbox out. I'm going to test the waters on this. And so he goes, now, Sparky, um, you know, what if I told you that I had a blah, 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 you know, uh, Studebaker. That, Studebaker, yeah. Yeah, a friend of yours is going to do this Studebaker and, and offer to to do the hot rod up for you. How would you feel about that? And Sparky's like, great, I'd love I'd love the Studebaker. I'd love the friend for doing it. And Tim goes, okay, now what if that friend also uh, brought your, your niece out? And who would you want to spend more time with, the hot rod or the niece? And Sparky's just like, the niece. Family is important. And it kind of like blows up in Tim's face. That, that was a little funny to me because uh, we just get to, you know, see – Tim's hubris taken down a notch. Yeah, Tim's whole plot line in this episode just is so unnecessary and makes no sense. Like, Tim's whole arc <laughs> is just, he has, he wants to hang out with Wilson and fix up the car and can't understand why Wilson would rather spend time with the niece who he hasn't seen in years and years who he has this strong personal connection with. And, it, I mean, it, it, it just, it may, like, there's no version of Tim, like, it just doesn't make sense that he wouldn't, understand this and the reason that it just is sort of like mildly amusing or just kind of weird as opposed to aggravating is because at no point in this is tim angry or aggrieved or like upset like he's 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 like he's like a child basically he's like a five-year-old boy yeah the show has like matured to the point where they realize that tim's you know points of uh argument in the past are childish and that yes. they treat it as such it's like that is such a background issue <laughs> that yes. we, we don't even need to give it more attention than it just being you know a butt of a joke to get us in and out of scenes yeah tim tim being sad and kind of disappointed and like scuff you know scuffing his shoes on the ground in 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 disappointment <laughs> is way funnier than tim being angry about something and it only took them yeah. 5 or 6 years to figure this out um <laughs> i i do think that this this tool time scene might be the funniest scene in the episode just there's my favorite line in it it starts when they're you know they've got sparky out there and Al says to him, so, Sparky, how are classic cars different from modern cars? And Sparky just looks at him and goes, they're older, Al. Just so good. So good. So deadpan. Um, 
you know, and, and I... So then, yes, and then we segue into Al talking about the kind of, of classic cars he'd like to buy. An Alfa Romeo, or an Al Camino, or a Cadillac Al Dorado, or Mercedes 280S Al. <laughs> to, and, and Tim and Sparky keep trying to talk about stuff, and Al keeps distracting with this. I mean, it's Al puns. I love it. You love it. I love you it. You love to see it, folks. Um the only other note I have for this scene is uh, they will be right back from this uh, message from their sponsor, Saginaw Cheese. Cheese, it's good. <laughs> First of all, isn't the show a sh- show built on the sponsorship of Binford? Yeah, it's like it's like a yeah. I feel like it was a single sponsor show. It's like <laughs> like it, bin, it seems it seems like this is like in house marketing produced by Binford. Now the cheese yeah. company is sponsoring it. I it, it's <laughs> look, look this whole thing about like they you know our sponsor Saginaw Cheese and then in unison all of the, like Heidi comes out too and they all go in unison cheese it's good and there's a little song plays and dancing cheeses come on screen. I don't think this is necessarily super funny in and of itself, but it's so weird and so and so confidently played that I love it, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Like, just it heralds a new confidently weird direction for this show that I I am so excited to to watch play out. And I also wasn't certain if it was like an actual brand or if it was just like the idea of a city's specific export it's like yeah saginaw is known for their cheese and therefore the entire city of saginaw the their cheese industry is supporting this show <laughs> do you think they just had a a like list on a whiteboard or a chalkboard i guess because it was the 90s in the writer's room of like cities in michigan with kind of funny names and it's like ypsilanti cheese can't do that one kalamazoo cheese eh, it's a little it's a little too out there saginaw Funny enough, it's got the word "sag" in it. It sounds it sounds goofy. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, maybe it maybe it's not self evident, but uh, both Wisconsin and Michigan, most of the cities are named after uh, indigenous tribes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So me saying that they're funny sounding <laughs> names is probably <laughs> some dipshit white dude just kind of making light of a once proud culture brought low by colonialism. Uh, I, November I'll... is Native American Heritage Month, folks. <laughs> Uh, well, we are recording this in December, but even then, every month should be uh, Native American Heritage Month. Something funny from this episode that doesn't involve me making fun of another culture. Uh, when they're looking at a slide of a of some kind of Chevy that has like a grill that is that kind of looks like a mouth, uh, Sparky goes, "Almost looks like she's smiling at you." And Tim goes, "Oh man, f- first time I was in the back seat of one of those babies, I know I was smiling." And Sparky goes, "Ah, you're with a girl." And Tim goes, "No, I was just really happy to be in the back seat." <laughs> it's just, it's so great, it's so weird. Again, this is more of the, this is again more of the Tim that I like. That he is wholesome, almost asexual, just so into cars and so enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. about, like. A few seasons ago, it would have been like, oh, I was in there with a girl, men. But now it's just like, no, I just like cars. And it's it's very wholesome and enjoyable for me. There's something endearing about it for sure. Um, okay. We get okay. Uh, some cheese dancing at us, transitioning us back to home where uh, Brad and Randy are talking in the kitchen. Uh, Randy is like, good God, what is that stench? And Brad's like, oh, well, you know what? I'm wearing some patchouli because that is what I heard Willow enjoys. Um, and Mark comes in and says, 
bro, you stank as shit. Uh, turns out Brad is like in the wooing phase of Willow. Um, they they all depart as Jill comes home and Tim also is there. They talk about uh, Willow and Wilson having such a great time and that Tim can't get a, a car in edgewise with Wilson. Um, Jill says, well, you know, Will, uh, Willow seems to be like the daughter that Wilson never had. Mm. Uh, note for the scene, uh, he's about to go out back. Tim's like, well, there's Wilson right now. I'm going to go talk to him. But before we go there, I just want to bring up the patchouli. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, your thoughts on patchouli? I, I've, I, because I, I, I only know patchouli in the context of people making fun of patchouli. Okay, same. I've never smelled it myself. <laughs> I, I, have, I know. I have. Uh, okay, I like. I only know like the the big thing is in High Fidelity when when John Cusack is fantasizing about yelling at Tim Robbins, the New Age boyfriend right. of her of his ex, like "Get your patchouli stink out of my store." And I've always just been like, "Oh, it must be what hippies smell like." But I I don't actually know. It, well, and Jill comes in uh, as Brad's walking out and just whiffs the air and says, "Thanks for vacuuming." That's which, pretty good is a great line and such an accurate descriptor of what patchouli smells like. It just has that kind of like, because it comes in incense. And to me, it evokes like, you know, when uh, a restaurant will put a really smelly urinal cake to cover up the smell of urine. Oh, I know. (laughs) And it just is like, oh, that is a chemically flowery smell that I just now associate with urine. Mm -hmm, Um, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Patchouli is specifically that in incense form for pot smoke. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I would, I, I mean, I've smelled vacuums and I've smelled pot smoke, and I'd much rather smell pot smoke than a vacuum. And I mean, I'm not saying that I like the smell <laughs> I mean, of pot smoke necessarily, but like that vacuum <laughs> smell is, is it, 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 best case scenario, I think about doing chores, and I don't like that at all. <laughs> um. Anyway, I just, I've done that to be funny uh okay tim goes outside to talk to wilson only it's not wilson it's willow (gasps) um and they start talking about her time with will uh wilson they did all these things they're getting ready to go to this renaissance festival uh and she says yeah it was cool for the first couple days and now i'm just i don't know man i'm starting to feel a little smothered uh because she's an independent woman doing independent things and now she is dependent on wilson Mm -hmm. and um she says that she hasn't talked to him about it yet, that she's just going to sneak out, you know, uh, delicately in the night like a cartoon character tiptoeing past a uh, mouse hole. What? I don't know. <laughs> Who? Which one is the mouse in this situation? Yeah, I, I know. I get the sound that it would make. I just don't know, like, size-wise, which one is which. Yeah. No, okay. It's actually, she's the mouse tiptoeing past the sleeping cat on the way to the cheese. I, I I get it I get it and and okay. and Wilson is the cat and he's go, and he's like got the sleeping cap on his face and then when he breathes in before he snores the cap goes towards his mouth and when he snores out yeah <laughs> exactly, obviously now exactly. I understand okay um, great yeah and uh, as she's talking about all this she you know pulls out some of her her philosophical wisdom and um, Tim starts grunting a little bit oh man it, which is my note for the scene <laughs> oh man indeed. I look I I started sweating watching this thinking oh my god 
I'm so glad that Truman does the grunt work on the show. <laughs> I, I yeah, and listen, I mean, I've got a count, and it's n- no one's gonna be happy with what the grunt count is because like shit like this oh. bedevils me and makes and makes a mockery of the rules that I have put in place. <laughs> it's fine, We're and I have to guess. It. Yeah, and, and you I, have to I, guess. I I'm. I'm stuck between trying to figure this shit out for myself and then factoring in a layer of how you would estimate it. And it's, it's, listen, the grunt count, this, this episode is going to be a fucking mess, but uh, yeah, we'll get there be, yeah. in due time. Uh, the only other note I have for this is learning that Wilson is a jouster. I mean, is that a shock? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. He what does are you have gonna... a suit of armor. In yeah. His... Living room. He, he has a tiki room with a parrot living in it. I mean, what what else is? Yeah. Um, I don't have. I don't really have much for this scene, short of that. When uh, when Brad says that he's going to ask uh, ask Willow to go to this coffee house, Mark says, "Better ask her to sit outside," which is a nice quip from Mark, and it gets <laughs> it gets five or six different woos from the audience. That's how much the audience loves this one burn on on Brad. Um, There's such a Mark walks in, delivers the line and heads over to the couch. And like there's such a pause for the woots and hollers that Mark could have like pumped his fist in the air and froze frame like the end of Breakfast Club. (laughs) It yeah, it's um, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm like, was there a group like, I don't know, like once when I was in the, the marching band at, at U of O, like we all went down to L.A. for a game and then we all went to a taping of The Price is Right and we were all like there as a group together <laughs> cheering as a block and being yeah. really rowdy. Like maybe like some group, like a team or a, or a team what's building that, exercise. What's that? Uh, um, just a group of the like, uh, oh, God, what's the name of the, the group called? Those the, the, the old Shriners? ladies who... Who oh, wear the purple coats and the red hats? Ma- what Mary Kay or the ladies who lunch or uh, uh, I don't, there's a specific there's a specific term for that group. The, I can't remember what it is. The, oh, the, the the what the number one ladies detective agency. That's it, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, it's the it's the staff of the best exotic marigold hotel. They uh, <laughs> they really know how to tie one on when they go see a home improvement taping. Um, the, the the only other thing is that there is so Red Hat much... Society. It's called Red, the Red Hat Society. I guess it was right there in front of us, wasn't it? Um, yes. The only other thing I'd say is that uh, Tim does more extended grunt talking in this scene than ever before. Just a lot of, oh, yeah, well, you know, I do yeah, this. Blah, 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 blah. Which hurt my throat a lot doing it for one second. I can't even <laughs> imagine how he felt. Um, <laughs> the, the longer he does it and the more you listen to it, the more it sounds like the Swedish chef from The Muppet Show. It, it just has turned into a smurdy, 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 bark, bark, bark. Folks, when if you watch the episode, give it a listen. You will agree with me. Um, oh my god, that's that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I think so too. Uh, so next scene. Uh, I mean, unless yeah. you got anything else from there, just uh, yeah, the scene slide transition goes into inside, and Tim comes in after talking to Willow and is talking to Jill. What yeah, what does he say? Tim goes in and brags to Jill that uh, he's evolved because Willow told him that he's very wise and evolved. So Tim brags about this to Jill. Huge whoop from the audience. Wilson comes in in his Renaissance fair garb with a beard covering his face, which the producers evidently feel is enough blocking to get the gag to work. Uh, And then, you know, Wilson... (laughs) Do I sense a a note of sarcasm in your voice? I don't know. I mean, just sometimes I feel... I'm getting flavors of judgment. 
I, I just sometimes I feel like I take hiding Wilson's face a little more seriously than the people who make the show. But that's who am I? Who am I to judge? Uh, Wilson now has some time. Wants to look at the car before the Renaissance Fair. Uh, Tim and Wilson go out to the garage to look at the car, and Tim is kind of trying to build Wilson up to the idea of Willow leaving or acclimate him to this. Wilson mm-hmm. very quickly deduces that Willow has told Tim that she plans to leave, and he's upset by this. Uh, Willow comes in dressed up as Johannes Gutenberg's wife uh, to go with him to the Renaissance Fair, and uh, they start talking about it and and about the you know about the fact that she wants to leave they quote some philosophy back and forth wilson gets the impression that oh yes you know i need to give her more space and uh not be smothering her and constantly doing stuff with her willow says well maybe i can give living with you another shot and uh then uh she tells wilson that tim is very wise and wilson responds by grunt talking and nodding back to her which is kind of an avengers assemble moment um (laughs) so Here's uh, there's one note that seems more blatant than any other in this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it. I, I'm gonna call it out. Call it out. Why are they going to a Renaissance festival at night? You know, you make a very good point <laughs> because they didn't have a whole lot of outdoor lighting during the Renaissance, so it does kind of kill the vibe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and also you can't really see the costumes either. Yeah, that is yeah and. Yeah, nighttime Renaissance Fair probably, I mean, um, and also, isn't it like, isn't it as the day gets later, isn't that, isn't it that when the Renaissance Fair gets raunchier too? Isn't that when the tavern winches get, get uh, more wild? I haven't, I haven't been to enough Renaissance festivals to know, uh, and I feel like if I had known that, I would, I would be fashionably late to Renaissance festivals just to partake in that yeah yeah what like happened they they switch from serving mead to serving grog at night <laughs> <laughs> they let everyone out of renaissance fair jail and uh <laughs> they start going into shanties as they they slam their cups down on the wooden tables uh yeah yeah the uh the choral singers start singing their body tunes about uh about <laughs> prostitutes and uh you know and and the the people reciting the canterbury tales go to the go to the you know raunchier <laughs> canterbury tales about people farting on each other um <laughs> i like my my thing here is just they've done this once before where there was a Halloween episode several seasons ago where Wilson has his face painted and he's just walking <laughs> okay, around right. full face and they're like, hey, look, the, his the face skeleton is, paint. Yeah, it's a look, his face is covered. So we did the thing. No, no. Just having f- paint on like it's gross and weird that I can see his whole face. Like there has to be a physical object blocking Wilson's face. Now, listen, I, I'm not going to take sides here, but I, I want to just give you a, a quick thing to consider. Yeah. And I want you to I want you to recognize the pains that I have to go to to bring this up. Yes. Al shaved his beard uh, at one point in the show. Yeah. And I uh, seeing that <laughs> mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'd never seen Richard Carnes face before. Okay. Okay, so what you're saying is that a beard is covering your face. <laughs> I I would say it, my argument would be that it is sufficient covering. I'm just I saying, understand where you're coming for, and I'm not I'm not gonna take sides. I'm not gonna push back on it too hard. But if I can see Wilson's mouth moving, I feel like I have been let down by the gag. That is my position. <laughs> okay, I understand right. what you mean. 
and I, I, I don't, I, good people can disagree on this. That's all I'm going to say. And the advantage to this is that having him in this getup means that they can actually just shoot the scene like a normal scene and not do a bunch of sweaty, awkward right. blocking that makes it look like he is stooping his niece. So <laughs> better, I guess, that it be this way. Um, uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if I've got any other big, big ones for this scene. I, I have a, 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 this is a question came up that I, I think I just need to lay it all out there and, and, and yeah. say it just so that I can have closure on this item for the rest of my life. Sure. Is it cod, C-O-D or C-O-T piece? It's cod piece, cod there is a moment in this where Wilson, it, like like Tim, compliments Wilson on the cod piece that he's wearing, which then becomes a setup for also arguably one of the best jokes in the episode. Uh, <laughs> yes, when Willow, then I've, com- I've never known, I've I've never known the difference between the two, or I didn't know exactly what it was, and I've just never looked it up. I you know it's in it's I. I've I've known multiple people who have never been quite clear on what it is, and I've always just been surprised that I know so well that it's cod piece. Like I don't know why I have had this certainty of how the the thing over your dick is is spelled and pronounced. I I just I know it's it's not it was cock that obsession piece. you went through in college with the Clockwork Orange. Can I, what can I say? It was um, I was a you know I was one of those campus droogs. Other people were out there playing hacky sack. <laughs> I was beating the shit out of my friends with a cane that had a knife hidden in it. Um, listen to a little bit of the the old uh, Ludwig V. Um, so. <laughs> So Willow comes when Willow comes in and Wilson is upset and she quickly figures out that Tim has told Wilson. She says, "Tim, did you tell him?" And uh, and Tim goes, "I I didn't mean to. He was just fiddling with this cod piece and it just popped out." <laughs> Which is Fraser quality wordplay. And yes, it does get a woo from the audience. Um but I I just have to call that out. That's a great line. That's really funny. It was, it's very well done. Yeah, I know. I I enjoyed that. I thought that was uh because it, it, they do make a, a point to show Wilson fiddling with his codpiece <laughs> earlier in the scene. I'm like, that's a strange thing to happen, but then they they pay it off. Um, here's here's I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna bring this to a serious place now. Okay. Should Tim and or Jill have said anything on Willow's behalf? Uh, they shouldn't have said anything on Willow's behalf. They also shouldn't have encouraged willow to move in with wilson in the first place that's not their business if wilson wants his niece to live with him he should be the one in charge of asking and they shouldn't be pressuring her to say yes well yeah i would agree with that i don't think it's as much pressure as you know i don't think it's a problematic amount of pressure i do think it's it would i think it's okay for jill to go hey wilson why don't you ask willow to to stay with you Mm-hmm. Um, or have you thought about it? You know, something like that. I think it's okay because Wilson seems genuinely touched that she's that Willow is there, and genuinely seems like it was an idea that hadn't occurred to him. Yeah. Um, I I think that part's okay, but I really am like on the other side of the fence of uh, no pun intended for them <laughs> to speak up for Willow of like, yeah, I'm thinking of leaving, and I didn't tell him, and they're like, okay, cool. Well, we'll tell him for you. <laughs> yeah, that's that is too much. Although I don't, but I understand why they did it because it's like what she's doing is gonna break Wilson. Like to just disappear right, in the night right. with no warning. That's 
fucked up. Like that's not socially acceptable. And as I did that to you last year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like one day I was like, Hey Landon, I'm coming over to record. And you're like, Oh, I'm in Wisconsin now, bro. I didn't tell you that. Um, No, you let me stay at your place once. And then I left uh, in the middle of the night. Oh, (laughs) left you a note on the bed. (laughs) Okay. On, on the bed in the guest room. Not like he slept in the bed with, with me and my girlfriend, like one big bed, like, like Charlie factory. Not while you were aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Look, like a thief in the night, he crept into our bed. He wrote a note. He crept out. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know, and, Yes, that was traumatic for me, but also you'd only been with us for one day as opposed to like we hadn't gone to the Estonian comedy festival together. We weren't we weren't going to a renaissance fair. Um, I don't know. I I just think that like I I think that Tim and like, again, I I would agree generally that like it's not their place, but also they are as people who are deeply invested in Wilson's life, invested enough to throw a surprise party for him and invite all his friends, I can see them yeah. wanting to make sure he doesn't get very badly hurt by by his niece's freewheeling hippie tendencies. Agreed. The scene fades out. We yes. come back on a stinger. Yep. Uh, it's tool time. Tim and Alan Sparky. Shuffle real quick to get in the place. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And they're there to do a promo for cheese. Saginaw, cheese, cheese, it's good. It's like when you're working on your car and it's hot and sweaty and you need refreshment, what do you reach for? Cheese. And like the the (laughs) panel rotates around and Heidi's there with a big wheel of cheese. It... And then they all stare at the camera after doing the tagline for an inordinately long amount of time. It's just weird. It's just weird it and weird. good. I love it. Now, uh, here's a question for you, German. I know yeah. that you're you're hung. I'm going to ask you to step outside of yourself mm-hmm. and your preferences and your tastes because I know okay. how hung up on on Tillamook you are. Thank you. Yes, product of Oregon. <laughs> what kind of cheese do you think Saginaw cheese offers? I would imagine that they or offer... is there a variety of them? I mean, I imagine it's probably a variety. I mean, the wheel that she's holding appears to be Gouda, uh, but I mean, I would imagine they probably have some kind of sharp cheddar variety, maybe a do, do, uh, what, white what kind of, I, I've never thought about cheeses that come in wheels. I guess I just yeah. always assumed it was like an aged cheddar. I, I, I didn't guess that there are multiple cheeses that come in wheels. I mean, I feel like the ones that you most commonly get in a wheel with what appears to be a wax rind like she's holding right. there, that is most commonly Like Gouda. a baby bell. Yeah, or like, like I guess a baby bell. That doesn't look like a brie, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that maybe they do a mozzarella. I, I recently discovered mm-hmm. that uh, Bel- Belgioso, which makes one of my favorite mozzarellas, is in fact a Wisconsin company. So, I, I uh-huh. you know, that could be something like that. I know, you know, your, your stock is rising, Landon. Um, <laughs> I do come from a literal state known for its cheese. Also, a, a little offensive home improvement to, you know, try to usurp wisconsin right over lake michigan with uh saying saginaw cheese yeah no i mean that that honestly that one is bumping me a little bit it's like okay michigan you've got the (laughs) auto industry thank you very much let wisconsin have cheese you know that's their (laughs) thing yeah um i don't know i mean i so i think there's a few you know probably yeah uh what a sharp cheddar probably a white cheddar uh maybe a jack Mm -hmm. uh and Mm -hmm. at least one gouda i mean um i think they might have curds um (laughs) Uh, okay. I, I, I thought that I was see- specific to Wisconsin. I, I, living in Michigan as long as I did, I never once came across a cheese curd. Even uh, that close? S- 
the second that I stepped foot in Wisconsin, within the first week of living here, uh, I think I'd had cheese curds more than once. I th- that that alone, Landon, is enough for me to overlook the weather and certain political concerns <laughs> to move to Wisconsin because trying to get curds in California is harder than you would expect. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I'm just trying to think of other types of cheese because I think I see the direction you're taking me in. Uh, uh, I mean, let's see, uh, whey, um, uh, cheesecloth, milk. All right. Uh, German dairy butter. What did uh, we learn from this episode? Uh, we learned from this episode that um, sometimes uh, you can love a family member very dearly, and even in spite yeah. of that, not want to spend all of your time around them. Because hey, maybe your parents <laughs> didn't have any siblings, and you're not used to, or didn't give you any siblings, mind, and you're maybe not used to spending a whole lot of time around other loved ones and that's okay that doesn't mean that you don't love your uncle very much it just means you're an only child and you just have a different um willow's an only child is what we learned is that she has huge only child energy and we need to respect that (laughs) big time and i appreciate my uh my experience being depicted on screen for once yes Yes, they. You know, we. Well, if you want your experience depicted on screen more, I, I would recommend keep watching King of the Hill because that is that is prime only child <laughs> content. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's what I learned. Cool. I think that's a good thing to learn. Yeah. I mean, shall I ask you what you learned, or do or do you do you just want to move this this train? What did you learn, Landon? <laughs> I d- I didn't learn anything. I like I said, mm-hmm. you watched this watched half an this hour ago. Half asleep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, at this point, three hours ago. But oh, shut up. Um, oh God. <laughs> disgusting how long these podcasts are i know uh we got one more thing to do uh on this episode which is <clears throat> the grunt count how many do you think there were landon you're never gonna get i have it. i have a very specific character written down next to my guess in my notes and okay. that character is the question mark <laughs> <laughs> That's that's right. That is basically my answer too. Although I had to come up with something more definite. <laughs> All right. If I so the, when Tim is talking to Willow out there, out back, man, I it it really gave me some anxiety. Um, I, I don't know. I a I don't know how many times he grunted. I don't know how many times you would count him grunting. This is just a, a wild west of a guess here. Yeah. It is. I, I'm gonna. I, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna say four. Holy and shit, I, dude! I've I, I backed away from the microphone. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! You got it. You got it. Your what? count matched my count. You got it. I did you pluck that out of the air, folks? I wish we were given chalupas some, for this. <laughs> some mental calculation there, because um, I, I'm like. If I were counting, or if you know some some general person on the street was counting, <laughs> yes, you know, if you were doing jaywalking and asked somebody to count the amount of grunts in a scene without yeah. knowing exactly the what goes into counting grunts, yeah, I feel like that person would have come up with like seven or eight. Yes, and absolutely. Then I'm like, well, no, Truman is a little more diligent. He's got some more rules about this, and I know that Tim is doing kind of grunts but not quite grunts there's a lot of grunt words there's a lot of grunt noises are they grunts though i'm not too sure and so i yeah. just i backed away from seven and i took it down a notch to four 
And and look, and that's that's correct. And now now I didn't I didn't get to that number by doing the same sort of just like eh, I'll just back it off and and shave a couple off there. It is really in the first set. Tim does kind of a grunt, oh yeah, but then that is followed by a grunt that is not a talk, so that's one. And then the mm-hmm. next, and then in responding to the next thing, she says he starts out with some grunt talking, but then he trails off into a bunch of grunt gibberish. It's kind of just. <laughs> And that it basically winds up being three additional grunts after that, and then all of the ah. other grunts afterwards are uh, him talking. So yeah, four grunts, mm-hmm. Landon, you did it, you nailed it on the one that I never thought you would have been able to uh, nail it on. So congratulations, uh, thank you. I'm going to be patting myself on the back for that for the rest of the day, um, mostly because we're so used to zero grunts that I, I've almost forgotten what a grunt sounds like, let alone. <laughs> what a distinctive grunt that you would count as a single grunt would be. So, um, you know, it's a it was a grunt in the dark, but I will take the win. Yes, uh, listen, you know, a grunt in the dark is honestly pretty scary if you think you're alone in a room. So, uh, you know, <laughs> turn on those lights. Surprise. Okay, so Landon, I don't know. I I don't know what the secret word was. Is it something related to cheese? Is it is it uh, rind? Is it uh, wax? Is it uh, <laughs> I've already said cheddar. You did parmesan. Um, it's it's one of these like if I gave you any hint toward it, I feel like you would guess it, and it would be uh, a cheap win. So camembert. I can't. You're you're on the right track, but I can't give you any further clues. Bree, I'll give uh, you th- I'll give you three more guesses. Uh, blue. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Two more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm now. I'm just trying to think of other types of cheese. I guess uh, Asiago. And, <laughs> That's a good guess. Uh, um, Lucerne. Oh man! If you had gotten it on the last one, I feel like there would have been a lot of fanfare. The secret word this week was Humboldt fog. <laughs> Honestly, if you'd given me 20 or 30 guesses, I probably would have gotten there. If we'd made this a three-hour-long podcast, uh, it would have happened. Humboldt uh, How do we do two hours on such a, a nothing episode? I don't know. We can't record in the morning, so we got to record at the end of the day when our souls are destroyed. Instead, we've destroyed when our I'm listeners' like, souls with this much. Pushing us to get to bed. Yeah, now yes. I just want to go push to get some pancakes in my stomach. Yeah, get um, some pancakes, dude. We got one little post sample. Truman, do you recognize that we are halfway to the halfway point of the season? Uh, we're wait, we're at the quarter point. Oh my god, this is already this season's flying by. It, well, it's it's amazing what happens when we don't like fuck around with doing every other week uh, at at Truman's depression's behest. Uh, yeah, we're 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 zooming through. We are, um, which means you know I think we're gonna have a live episode coming up uh, at the halfway mark. Oh my um, god! But that'll no. be early next year, so you know you can look for a live show announcement uh, sometime in the new year. Let's not Ooh. deal with it right now, but no, um, let's not. Uh, let's get out of here. What do you say? Yeah, I, yeah I, let's I need just, some pancakes. You need some pancakes. I need whatever the hell I'm gonna have for lunch. Um. Well, yeah. Let's yeah. Let's let's end this one. I was gonna launch into the into the outro until I realized that's really a thing you do.
<laughs> Gruntwork is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over there. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts because it really helps people find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at gruntworkpod, or you can visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can see information on today's episode. Sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next week, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Lance Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if you're feeling adrift and depressed in these uncertain and tumultuous times, find comfort in the loving embrace of Saginaw cheese. Cheese, it's good. da 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 da, da.